Welcome back to Building the Bach, and I'm your host, Jason Spies. In this next segment, we focus on wildlife and the environment within the Bakken and the surrounding areas. For this feature, we talk with Mike McEnroe with the North Dakota Chapter of Wildlife. Also, we talk with John Cooper, former Fish and Wildlife Senior Executive and is currently living in South Dakota and working with South Dakota Governor Dennis Dugard on wildlife issues. This is Mike McEnroe and John Cooper talking about Bakken wildlife and environment. Mike McEnroe. I'm the president of the North Dakota Wildlife Federation, and I'm the legislative liaison for the North Dakota chapter of the Wildlife Society. Well, that's good because I have a couple legislative questions for you today. Okay. Uh, first of all, maybe the purpose, mission of what uh, what you're representing. Well, I'm with with the North Dakota Wildlife Federation. Mm-hmm. We're supporting wildlife and conservation, hunting and fishing in North Dakota. Are you uh, publicly funded? Are you privately funded? No, pri- privately funded. Uh, we've got 13 affiliate wildlife clubs in the state, about 1,280 members. And uh, I imagine you're always looking for membership. Oh, always looking for members. Free opportunity. Go ahead and plug it. How okay. can somebody become a member? Uh, they can just look us up on the website, our website, North Dakota Wildlife Federation, or they can call our phone number. Uh, it's on the website. Uh, we've got an administrative office in Bismarck. Your observations of the oil activity happening out in western North Dakota? It's fast. It's intense. It's destructive on wildlife and habitat. Uh, it's going to be devastating to North Dakota's wildlife and recreational opportunities out in the western part of the state. Some of the short-term impacts happening out there. Well, you've got habitat fragmentation. A lot of people don't understand that, but when you start putting roads with traffic on them with you know 2,000 to 2,400 semi-trucks worth of equipment, water, supplies, going to a well site and a, and a relatively undisturbed site, uh, that does disturb the wildlife. Uh, they tend not sometimes not to cross the road or that kind of frequency of traffic. Uh, again, 2,000 trips in a month takes to mm-hmm. drill and develop a well. Uh, that's an intensive traffic load that moves wildlife out of an area or, or makes parts of the habitat unavailable uh, from one side of the road to the other. Uh, we see vehicle collisions with antelope, or antelope, animals, antelope, deer, uh, elk, moose, uh, so there's the direct thing. Uh, there's increased, it's bringing people to the region. So there's increased interest in hunting and fishing out there. So we're seeing increased demand at the same time we're seeing habitat impacts and, and decreased wildlife populations. Uh, how about long-term? What are some of the project? We see a lot of long-term oil projections as far as EBITDA and, and uh, financial protection projections. Do you have wildlife long-term projections? Well, not so much long-term projections, but people sometimes say, well, this is only a temporary thing, but it's only temporary in that it's going to be 20 or 30 years to develop the wells that are then going to have a 30 to 50-year production life on them. So we're looking at somewhere between 60 and 80, maybe more years than that. I mean, that's temporary geologically speaking, but that's a long-time uh disturbance factor for the industry i mean it's this is going to be a, a this is a long-term thing for north dakota well we're seeing some mountain lion uh spottings in eastern north dakota is there any thought that the oil activity is pushing any of the those predators that are traditionally seen in the badlands to the eastern part uh i think the mountain lion stuff is they're the young males tend to be wander and looking for, to establish their own territories, run out of territories by more adult males or older males. So I think that's more of a wandering effect uh, okay. rather than the industry pushing mountain lions out. Uh, so, I mean, as far as mountain lions, I, I 
there may be a disturbance there or an impact, but I don't know that it's pushing more mountain lions over here. I mean, we, I've, I've just heard that yeah, anecdotally, no. you know, in cafes, you know, some guy will say, well, I'll tell you, the oil industry is pushing them this way, you know, and, and I, I don't know. I, more, I didn't most, know if you guys are no, checking in. Or. No, uh, most of North Dakota's mountain lions are coming from the Black Hills, and the higher population levels there are pushing lions out of occupied territories, occupied habitat in the Black Hills, so they're spreading out to the prairies of... South Dakota and North Dakota, and when they get here, we don't have a lot of mountain lion habitat anywhere in North Dakota, so they just keep wandering. I mean, we've got the record of that one that went from the Black Hills all the way through North Dakota, Minnesota, and was killed on a what a highway in Connecticut. Wow. I mean, that, that that one that that was a, a tag a radio tagged lion, mm-hmm. so they were able to follow that one all the way where it got killed in Connecticut. The super tramp mountain lion, yeah. huh? Uh, how about uh, any sort of uh, wildlife studies, any wildlife information on maybe the, the spills happening out in western North Dakota and uh, maybe some of those chemical holding ponds, either one of those? Well, certainly there's been data that show that on some of the reserve pits, and North Dakota doesn't have reserve pits in the long term anymore, but that they, when they had water on top of them, I mean the, the hole that all the chemicals from drilling were going into the muds, uh, when they got water on top of them, a lot of migratory birds, ducks and, and other water birds and other songbirds that were looking for a drink, thought those were water holes and would fly into that stuff. So there is documented studies and records that birds do fly into those things. Now whether or not we have any records of spills and what they may do to wildlife, you know, I don't know that anybody has followed up on the spills. Certainly, if you look at the historic record, there's been a, a number, of, quite a number of spills. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a big number or a small number, depending on your perspective. But on the average, of, we've probably covered uh, 300 spills a year in North Dakota for the last five, six years with the industry. Again, a lot of them are relatively small. They aren't all the Toyoga spill. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly, if that stuff does get in the water systems of stock dams or creeks and drainages, uh, we know there can be long-term effects. The one Charbonneau spill of a number of years ago, I believe that landowner still can't water his cattle in, in that creek and can't graze his cattle in part of that pasture because of the salt content that's there. I know up in the um, uh, Iron Range, it's a big concern, the yep. taconite man Ta- mines. Yep. Uh, with it, it, ju- it just kills everything in the water, yep. every microbe and everything else. And so I, I don't know what level, I guess, uh, well, the oil industry the, that's involved with yeah, that. The salt water that comes out of some of these wells... Uh, tends to be about 10 times higher than salt water or seawater. Mm-hmm. So it's 300,000 parts per million salt. I mean, it, it's pretty, very salty. It's like the Dead and, Sea. And <laughs> the only way you get rid of that is to flush it out or dilute it, wash it out. It, I mean, and we don't have enough rainfall in that part of the world to do that kind of thing. So are, the, are you uh, hearing any, reading anything from the wildlife uh, in terms of fracking? That's another uh, uh, environmental issue. Or is there anything in the wildlife with that? We, aren't, we don't see that fracking is the big problem out there. Fracking makes the oil development possible, but fracking in itself, as the technology of fracking is described, and if correctly done, and there's no mechanical failures or equipment failures, you know, fracking, I think, is relatively safe. The, it's all occurring 10,000 feet down. A lot of it's occurring 10,000 feet down below impermeable layers of shale. Our drinking or potable water supplies are all thousands of feet above that. No, if you have a pipe fitting, uh, you know, a pipe seal that's bad or something, yes, you could, you can have leakage. I don't know that any has been detected in North Dakota yet. We had the Kilder blowout about three years ago where they actually had a, a frack blowout at, at relatively shallow depth, and the industry and the health department are monitoring that to see if any of those fracking chemicals do migrate to the town of Kilder's water supply. But 
Underground water movement is very, very slow. It might be 20 or 30 years before those chemicals are detected somewhere away from the, the blowout site. Uh, your opinion, I guess, on uh, the role of a regulator? Do we have one in North Dakota? <laughs> I'll, I'll probably hear about that. You're, you're not uh, the only one who's saying that either. North Dakota has got pretty strong regulations on well integrity and the pipe and the concrete and the steel layers. We have very little regulatory or any authorities to document where the wells are built and how do we move them to a, a place that has less impact on the environment, less impact on wildlife, less impact on the local, the surface owner uh, and his or her agricultural operation. And that was Mike McEnroe. Next, John Cooper. Anything along those lines, long-term projections of wildlife? There is, and there's a couple things that are on the horizon that we're not quite sure about. As an example, let's just take, for instance, the use of water for fracking and for uh, outflows and return flows. If they if they can't handle all of the fracking uh, solutions uh, by putting it down the boreholes and, and getting it injected, the issue starts to become on, well, where would they put it? Would, would, they, would they dump it into some open land pits area? That, uh, anytime that you have an a extraction industry like, say, I'll just use mining. I'm very familiar with the gold mining issues in South Dakota. It's one thing to have heavy metals distributed throughout a mountaintop and over the course of a mountain range, but when your pickups or your trucks go in and pick all that up, take it over to the milling process, break it up, and then use heap leach, uh, cyanide, or arsenic-type process to extract the gold, well, after that, after that rock has done its business, they pick it up and take it over and put it into some kind of a gulch, and, 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 and they keep adding to it and adding to it. So then we scratch our head as a, as a, as a public resource and want to know why we're having such trouble with acid mine leaching and some of the concerns with heavy metal contamination. So you got a bunch of cadmium all in one area, nickel in one area, so that's a, that's a concern. The other issue that we're looking at is the Corps of Engineers recently had made some mention in regards to their public meetings about whether or not there would be excess water in the Missouri River to be sold or leased or paid for by, uh, by industrial organizations. Well, one of the big concerns for anybody who is a fisherman or who is water resource oriented is what, does, what would that mean? Does that mean that uh, some way, somehow, if the current use of water in the Bakken formation isn't enough, would the oil companies then go to get to their 40,000 or some wells? I'm not sure exactly what the total number of wells, but that was projected, I think, at one point. Will they need Missouri River water to utilize that? And if so, what would be the issues environmentally with transporting water to certain well sites to be used uh, for fracking? What do you do with that? Do you put that down the, the sinkhole, or do you also have an issue of runoff, some type of a runoff? And so those are the concerns. You know, I think oil exploration is here to stay. Oil development is here. And that was John Cooper. To listen to the entire interview with either Cooper or McEnroe, visit our website, buildingthebakken.com. Treat everybody right. Miss part of the show? Log on to buildingthebakken.com for past shows and interviews. And never be away too long. Listening on your radio, smartphone, or computer? 
Building the Bakken is available online and on the ground. But if you find yourself out there, just remember, you can always come home.